Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Robin. And just real quick before we get to today's episode, if you are loving listening to the podcast, or maybe you don't know because you've just pressed play for the first time ever, but if you like to listen to things in your earbuds, you are going to be so happy to know that Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors is now released as an audiobook. You can get it in Audible or wherever else you get your audiobooks. And of course, you can still get it in print and ebook. If you go to robingobel.com slash book, it's going to give you all the options, including that you could order a signed copy from my local bookstore. Alrighty, y'all. Here's that podcast episode you're waiting for. Hey there. I am so glad you've tuned in to the Parenting After Trauma podcast. I'm Robin Goble, and this podcast is for parents of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. I know some of y'all are parenting kids who have a history of trauma, but some of you are parenting kids who have big baffling behaviors for all sorts of other reasons, and I'm super glad that you're here. Today, I can't wait to introduce you to Selma Basovic, a therapist and children's book author. So I've known Selma for many years, way back when she was the host of the Parent-Child Relationship Guru podcast years and years and years ago. Over the years, Selma's work has grown and changed. I'm going to let her tell you all about that. But Selma just continues to be grounded, anchored so securely in attachment and relationship. I mean, in truth, Selma's very presence just embodies secure attachment. She's really quite remarkable. You'll have to go find her on Instagram. I'll put the link in the show notes. But her Instagram... Her Instagram feed really just embodies what secure attachment is. Truth, boundaries with compassion. It's amazing. Anyway, it was such a privilege to share an afternoon with Selma. Let talk with her about brave spaces and hear all about her new children's book that's based on her experiences as a Bosnian refugee who fled Sarajevo when she was nine years old. Y'all are going to be so inspired by Selma and the work that she's doing and continues to do supporting parent-child relationships around the world. So without any further delay, let's go. Here's Selma. Selma, I'm just so grateful that you were willing to spend some of your really precious time connecting with me and chatting with me, catching up with me, and also letting my audience have the opportunity to get to know you and the awesome work that you're doing. So thanks for being here with me today. Uh, thank you for having me. I shared with you earlier how much fangirling I'm doing right now because <laughs> I got introduced to your work a long time ago as an adoption, um, an outpatient therapist working with adoption uh, clients. Yes. And it was a lifesaver to come across your information. And at that point, it was a letter to the teachers of how children who have experienced trauma would function in the classroom. And it was it was like the best thing I read ever <laughs> at that point. And I just loved watching you um, teach. And, and I've attended a few of your, a uh, couple of your trainings and I just absolutely love everything 
that you are representing in this space. So thank you for having me. It feels really good to be here with you. It's just really awesome to know like-minded people. And I know you used to podcast too. And so isn't mm-hmm. this one of the f- most fun parts of podcasting is yeah. it's this excuse, I think, to say like, hey, can we get together for an hour? Which I think in other circumstances, it's really easy to be like, oh, I don't have time for that. Or I have, I have so much else to do that like just scheduling these chats gets you know, put low on the list of priorities. But then when it's like, Hey, can we get together and do this podcast? (laughs) It feels really cool. Exactly. (laughs) I know, I know. know. Well, so you already sort of mentioned like, yeah, you and I met years ago, your professional life was looking a little different or a lot different, (laughs) but it looks now. So, and catch me up even like, what does, what's your professional life look like now? Yeah. So my background is in attachment and trauma work and stumbling upon your work and just absorbing it all. Um, And I went from being a therapist to infants and toddlers working in the early childhood courts. to closing all that down, having my children. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to reopen everything, it's when like the world stopped with COVID, right? Uh, But my world also changed with COVID because I had a brand new baby who was born into COVID. And I also lost my father because of COVID. So my world looked very different. And I remember every time I would talk about like attachment and trauma and parent-child relationships and how safety and connection are important, Mm -hmm. my dad would always say, you need to tell more Balkan people about this. You need to tell Mm -hmm. more of our people about this. I don't think we talk enough about this. And Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fear speaking to Balkan people. And the Balkans are... Southeastern Europe. So you the the country that looks like a boot, Italy, uh-huh. right across it are the Balkans. And uh, it was former Yugoslavia uh, uh, along with, uh, you know, Greece and Albania and parts of Turkey and Bulgaria. So that Eastern Europe part just further south. And when he passed away, I decided, okay, I'm going to use part of what he said to me to keep my connection with him going. And I went on to Instagram and I said, okay, I don't even know what this is going to look like right now. I really don't even know what this is going to like be like. Um, And I changed my handle to Balkan Mama Therapy. And I said, Uh okay, we'll see what happens if anything happens. And it was like a boom. Overnight, people started being curious about what it is that I'm talking about. And essentially what I'm doing is I am bringing the information I learned about attachment, about trauma, about generational healing, about um, nervous system regulation and presence and connection. And I'm just applying it to the Balkan parent-child relationship. We have a lot of pain that sort of followed us through generations. um, And I think overcoming that pain is not just with policies and changing our politics. I think it's more in the parent-child relationship and raising a new generation that's not going to be fearful or um, isolated in thinking that they're alone with everything that they're dealing with. So 
that's where I'm at right now. My practice is full of Balkan women and parents who are um, living worldwide, really. And we're talking about healing trauma, regulating our nervous system. We are talking about parenting and connection. And um, that's where we're at. It's happening. It is happening. And like, there's a part of me that just to think of, you know, just to think about like when we met and to watch you have these different experiences in your life and, and of course having kids and gosh, you know, for your dad's passing, I'm just so, so sorry. I mean, all of these things like happen kind of on Mm -hmm. top of each other, plus the pandemic. And then to hear you say that part of what your inspiration was too, is I did not know this was, was your dad saying Mm -hmm. like, I think Balkan families need to, to, to be exposed to what, you know, prior to that, I knew you in this different way and, and had always felt like this information about attachment and parent child relationship is like, it's just like lives in your soul. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. it exudes from you. And then, Mm -hmm. so to now watch it come out in a way that is supportive of this population that means so much to you. And then even just to hear you say like, well, you know, feeling like such a, a a huge way that we change is by focusing on the parent-child relationship, because that's where change can happen. Like that's how the next generation, you know, then is set up to do something different. Yeah. That's awesome. It's just so awesome. It feels really good. (laughs) It feels real. It feels like home, but with a lot of challenges. Um, I've never felt more called to do something, but I've never been more terrified of doing something. And I think that's for my definition of, of what I would like to be focused on or like what I think is a, a calling. I think that's my definition of it. Feeling really great about it, but also being terrified of what it means because it's keeping me on my toes for sure. Yeah. I'm interrupting the show real quick because if you happen to be a new listener, you might find yourself being a little overwhelmed by all this information. That makes total sense. I mean, there's like 150 episodes plus all the free resources that are available over my website. It's just a lot. So many folks have asked me, where do I start? So I created a separate podcast stream called Start here. What I did is I took the 10 episodes that I want you to listen to first, and then I want you to listen to in this specific order. And I put them into a separate podcast stream so that you don't have to search for them. You can just press play and they'll play one after the other after the other. If you go to robingoblecom slash start here, you'll be able to get an invitation to subscribe. And then you'll be able to listen right in the same podcast app you're using right now. RobinGobel.com slash start here. And it's brave. I mean, what you're doing is brave. You're, you show up in the world in a way that is just so clear. Like I witness it and it's so clear Mm. to me, like where you're coming from, what you're saying, what you believe in unwaveringly. Mm -hmm. Yet the, the way you 
do it that is not shaming, not aggressive, not, you know, putting people down or telling people they're wrong. It's just clear. Like you're just so boundaried. I mean, it's, it embodies this attack, this secure attachment perspective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we can be clear and boundaried without shame. And not only can we be, but we have to be. Yeah, I agree. I think for many people in the Balkans, um, <clears throat> some originally from former Yugoslavia, uh, a small country within it was Bosnia. So when we gained independence, a whole war broke out. Um, and many of our families who live in the diaspora are um, struggling with this whole refugee immigrant uh, lifestyle. Like, you know, you're in survival mode constantly. Yes. And you just did not have the parent child connection with your parents. And we don't talk about that. We don't talk about this disenfranchised grief of we can talk all we want about attachment and what security should look like. But if we don't have the right systems in place and supports in place, yeah. it's going to be really difficult. So with my work, I, I try to bring attention to a lot of that, especially for this generation of moms that's my age and younger. Fascinating to me how this message is resonating with a lot of uh, moms and Balkan people and how we're producing conversations around things that we normally or typically don't talk about. Um, Some people find these conversations really enlightening. Some find them really scary. Um, But either way, we're we're definitely touching base or or touching points that people really need to be thinking about. Yes. So tell me what this has been like. So it's been, it's been about two years. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? About two years. Uh, so about, um, in February of 2021 is when I started this. Uh, but prior to that, I had started seeing Balkan women in my practice. Like they would okay. call and say, Hey, I see you're one of us. Can you help us with our kids? Yeah. Can you help with this? And I would slowly start, um, working with them only to recognize that certain parts of my practice were not geared toward individuals who come from collective cultures. I was trained in this very independent, um, individualistic view of life. Like we're supposed to be carrying this load all by ourselves and then finding the resolution and the problem within ourselves, et cetera. Well, I had to gain a little bit more insight on what it meant to work with individuals coming from collective cultures. Mm-hmm. It was a new concept to me where that interdependence is healthy, that seeking connection from individuals inside your community is absolutely healthy. Um, what happened to many of these collective cultures is this imperialism, this this westernization i call it mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. there's all of a sudden everything that's western is better nice. than back home and what that looks like so it's been quite enlightening to to work with uh learning more about what attachment looks like in collective cultures what uh roles people play inside these spaces it's been really fun to understand how connection is um at the forefront of everything that we really do. And I think in the West, we kind of miss it. 
Yeah. Uh, we, because we're so focused on this hyper individualism, you know, being independent and doing it all by ourselves. And in this space, I get to say, oh, you don't have to do it all by yourself. You really don't have to. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. This is why this interconnection is so important. And I help families heal. I don't help them fix. I help them heal because they're not broken. We help um, process parts of, of their relationships that have been hurt by some of these beliefs and, and traumas that we've inherited. So it's been wonderful. Yeah, I love what you just said, like help parts of their of their relationships that have been hurt by some of these beliefs, uh, because when it comes right down to it, but like that's really even where behaviors emerge from are these often really implicitly held beliefs that are helping us like kind of create maps of of the world and how we see things and the right way to act and the wrong way to act and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um, and then our behaviors really just come, come from that, come based on our values and our beliefs. And so to create an experience, not of telling people what beliefs are right or wrong, but to create an experience of safety where it can, we can just get curious. Mm-hmm. How are they helping me or not helping me mm-hmm. is what I think I'm hearing you say. Yeah. It's, it's a brave space. I've learned yes. from, um, just from experience, but also from working with Falcon individual families now, is that we have safety. But what, what's been taken away from us is this idea that we are allowed to be brave with one another, where I can tell you something that you may not agree with, and you can hold space for that and the fact that you love me. Right. Uh, and we can work through this. Um, so I, you know, brave spaces are to me, a lot easier to, or a lot easier to work with because in brave spaces, we can make mistakes and we can Mm -hmm. heal from them and we can, um, um, you know, make decisions that are different from one another, but we can still meet each other halfway. Um, And it's beautiful to see parents go from a child must obey me to understanding, okay, I'm creating a brave space. I'm creating connection. I am responsible to give this child um, an idea of what this feels like, because this world isn't really a, a brave space. This world is a very scary space, unfortunately. And if we don't teach our children what this brave space and connection look like, it will be hard for them to learn later on. So in, in that brave space, we talk about a lot of things and we process a lot of things and we recognize how much we're all really longing for the same. We might just be coming from a different perspective. And it's beautiful to see Robin, <laughs> um, 70-year-old fathers speaking to their 30-year-old daughters and relearning how they speak to them for the sake of their 10-year-old grandchild or something like that. It is, um, it is a fascinating journey for me to be um, able to be present for and seeing these nervous systems connect and create this brave space where everyone understands that it's okay to be is amazing. Doesn't happen easily because mm-hmm. of these structures and systems around us but they do happen 
And that's, that's amazing. I love that. This brave space. Yeah. Yeah. What a, it feels like even in my body in this moment, it feels like a safe, expansive, like to frame it that way. Like, no, this place where we, we can be different. We don't, we don't have to agree. We can even have a fight and our, we can still come back and be okay. How brave that space is. It really does. Mm -hmm. Like I have this feeling in my body, even right now, just like, like I can just, I can move into Mm -hmm. that and that doesn't make it Mm -hmm. not scary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for that scary, we're both present because we all feel it. So everything goes as long as we're doing the connection and with respect for one another. And I think when parents see this, um, brave space where they can, so in, in collectivism, inviting other parts of your family to join you in this brave space is a lot easier than to tell your parent, you will not parent, talk to my child this way, but we can meet in this brave space and, and have a conversation about, about what parenting means to me and what I would like for you, how I would like for you to meet me halfway. And this then opens up beautiful, brave conversations. I feel like that's (laughs) become my motto. Like everything is about brave, 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 brave. Um, Even just our experience from like the Balkan people that I know and and my family and, and my experiences with Balkan people in general, we really are a brave people to overcome so many things. You know, people think of Europe, but they don't really think about us. Like we're not Europe. (laughs) we're like this little hidden away like we're a beautiful space um and we still don't really um have a lot of that same history that western europe does and with the colonization and occupations etc we were the ones that were colonized and occupied by like other parts of the world so we carry a lot of a lot of that pain there um and we're slowly slowly starting to become aware of it and heal and it really is a, is a result of many of us being given the opportunity to understand how connection plays a factor in all of this. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about the example you just gave, right? This, you know, 30 year old mom who's connecting with her dad and it's kind of all in working towards this relationship with, with the, the young child and thinking about how even brave, how even brave it is to be somebody of, you know, our generation, a little bit younger generation, and to be brave enough to think, you know, my, my parent might be able to hang in this conversation with me mm-hmm. instead of just saying, which would be so easy to say, like, they can't, it's too much for them. They'll never be able to, you know, that it, it's so brave to open up to the possibility that well, maybe they can, maybe I could trust that that part of them could feel safe enough to come forward. Cause I of course believe that part exists in everyone. Mm -hmm. And if we can, you know, can it be safe enough for that part, that curious part to come forward where even just like you said, like the 70 year old grandfather can, can get together in in collaboration and curiosity Again, like it's just so brave to to even think it's possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
culturally speaking, there's a big patriarchy in, in like the Balkan culture, the, the men, and there's a big double standard still that many women are fighting against. And um, in this brave space, again, I am quite often reminded that it's not individuals who are to blame or to be fixed, quote unquote. It's the relationship. It's the connection between the two that's been hurt, that's been ruptured. I always envision an actual rupture. And um, when I like think about how I'm going to be helping a family and introducing certain um, conversations or information, I envision um, these ruptures sort of healing almost like a um, neuron connection, like building new connections together and becoming stronger, like a peach tree, right? Like the the, the branches that are not working for us, we can cut them off, but new branches can grow out of it and become thicker and, and stronger and we'll develop better branches out of that. And I love that about our brain and our ability to do that at any age, really. It's just really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about the book that you just wrote and put into the world. So I had an idea for um, a book when I got pregnant for the first time and um, I dismissed the idea. Then I got pregnant with my son and um, when he was born, I... (laughs) Most parents don't think about this, but my question to him, my mom brought over a traditional meal, burek, that I talk about in the book. Yes. And I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to explain to my kid why we talk differently, why uh, grandma cooks differently, why mom and dad do these things differently? I mean, we're not just like immigrants. Like we don't have a story of, oh, grandma followed a job opportunity, therefore we're here. It's literally not that. We were forced to leave because of war. How do we talk about this? Well, I, uh, with the help of a a coach I was working with, um, I introduced the idea and she said, this needs to be like written now. Mm -hmm. But it was very important for me to find um, someone who could illustrate this with not just what I'm telling them, but also with how they felt it. Yeah. So it was very important for me to find an illustrator who has a very similar story to mine. And I was very lucky to find Nada, who is a fellow Bosnian um, refugee turned immigrant or resettled uh, refugee. And I found an editor who is also from the Balkans. So this process became a beautiful process of creating a children's book that talks about what being a refugee is. And what war is Um, with everything that's going on in Ukraine right now, many parents were like asking questions. How do we talk to kids about war? What should we tell them? What should we say to them? Um, And this book was being written way before, unfortunate, the unfortunate events going on in Ukraine right now, which are really heartbreaking. Um, But this is my story. My story, Adam and the Magic Fenyard, uh, was published a month ago, almost a month ago now. And I could not be more happy with the results and the love that went into this. 
telling my story, which is really the story of many of us from Bosnia who became refugees literally overnight um, and what the world looked like for us. So I told a story, my story of being a refugee and um, being different and being a war refugee through my inner child voice. I literally had a picture, the only picture I have of myself from the war stapled (laughs) to the um, Mm -hmm. board right above my computer. Mm -hmm. And I would ask myself, like, how would she tell the story? How would she tell another kid the story? Um, And I wrote it out. And then the editor helped me bring it down to an appropriate reading level. Mm -hmm. And um, Adam and the Magic Fennet was born. And here we are now talking about it, which is super surreal to me. I'm actually holding it in my hand. I have it right here It's surreal. It's, thank you. It is surreal to me to have this conversation with you right now, for you to know uh, part of my story. Yes. um, And for the feedback that I've received from fellow Bosnian immigrants, refugees is is just incredible it's just reading this to some people was healing enough to start conversations with others so thank you for having a copy of your own that makes me very happy oh yeah I ordered right away it took a while to come because you sold out (laughs) we did but you know what Amazon (laughs) this was like on Amazon okay um Uh I didn't publish through Amazon. I um, I self-published this book. Um, Amazon apparently has an algorithm when a book goes into pre-sales where they talk about like how um, they project how many books uh-huh. will be ordered. Well, they project and they order a certain amount for, from the publisher. And what happened, we blew the number out of the park like blew it up so all the new books and people are still ordering but all the new books that are coming uh coming to amazon are getting like shipped to people who purchased just a month ago yeah um so it's been a good problem to have but also really sad to have people wait on their books but i'm glad that yours came i think it arrived a couple of days ago right it did just, I think just two, maybe three days ago. And it wasn't supposed to arrive till next week. And yeah, like you said, I'd ordered it. I think the day that it was published. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people are um, experiencing that. Uh, it, it was really odd for me because this book now is in like Canada. It's in mm. Australia. It's in the UK. Uh, we didn't have the ability to ship it to um, Western Europe or Eastern Europe, but when I go down there, I'm going to be bringing some copies with me to share with people. So how did you like it? Did you get a chance to read it? Oh, I've, I absolutely read it. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Illustrations are amazing. And, um, you know, I think I've never, I can't imagine having the skill in me to write a children's book. Um, it seems so hard to take an idea and condense it down to not just reading level, but also, I feel like a lot of children's books have way too many words in them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you you nailed it. So the team you put together and that, you know, being also in the middle of like writing a book, I really relate to this feeling of, which was unexpected to me of how like the people I've put on my team 
who are helping me with it. And like the kinship I'm feeling with them in this like love project that mm-hmm. we're creating. Like I didn't know I would, one, I had no idea I was actually going to do that. Like that I would even need these helpers mm-hmm. or that they would do anything beyond just like help me with their specific job. Right. But the, but now it's like, it's like this project has become ours in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and again, so now we just go back to connection, right? Like mm-hmm. it's everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, when we're connected, mm-hmm. hard things are easier and the, the resonance just like it's infused mm-hmm. in the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you just said triggered a memory, a recent memory. Obviously we were working on this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, And there are parts of the book where I describe what it felt like to be, um, so this part right here, what it felt like to live inside a shelter. Um, So out of all of us uh, who were on this project together, Mm -hmm. I am the only one who had the lived experience, the young, um, the people who helped me had the experience of their parents. They're a little bit younger than I am. Yes. So when we were putting this together and I recognized that I was talking about these really hard things and the two of them were just staring, literally staring and nodding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we get it. We understand. And it escaped me in the moment. But as yeah. I reflected, I said, I probably just mentioned something to them that their parents probably never had a chance to express. Or their parents didn't have a chance to express because they were busy with other things as a child in the war. So all these little details that you see throughout the book Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, are things that mean a lot to a fellow Bosnian. Um, There are things that mean like the flowers, for example, the yellow and purple flowers. They're from the village the illustrator is from. She pulled it Mm. up image. And she said, anytime I go visit my grandma, these are the flowers I see. Is it okay if I paint these flowers on there? So there are little details here that are um, just incredibly meaningful to all of us. And I think because it was written with so much love, so many people Mm -hmm. resonate with it. And um, the feedback has just been amazing. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully this gets in front of more people's eyes and, um, experiences too because I I think we don't talk about refugees enough we really don't Um, it's a story that is um, always an important one like when a war breaks out we talk about for a couple of days and then it's silence and I feel like that's what's happening with Ukrainian refugees right now and Syrian refugees and we exist there's like 64 million of us in the world that's not a small number. And our mental health is neglected. Our emotional health is neglected. And we're in constant survival. So imagine someone like me who grew up in constant survival mode with parents who were in constant survival mode, becoming a parent, going on Instagram and reading, uh, you are messing your child up because you're not providing the safe, safe and secure attachment. Right. And it's a lot to take on. So obviously for me personally, it was a little different with my educational background, but for people who are not in this field, it can be really scary. So there's a lot of guilt and a lot of mental health um, 
you know, concern that shows up. So I'm very honored to be able to be a voice, even through a small little book like this, that, you know, who knows where this is going to go from here on out. But it's just amazing to see my story, our story written. And now it's, it's out there. Yeah. And you have it. And I love it. And it's not small either. Like this isn't small. I mean, you put a part of yourself into pages. And just like you said, like, I know something about you because I got this book and read it before this conversation today that I would have never known. And even if you just told me the story of being a little girl, like just like this, you know, like we got on a zoom chat and you told me about it. Like, I still know something different about you because Mm -hmm. of the, you know, the, the, the way children's books are presented and the illustrations. And then, Mm -hmm. and again, like, just like the heart of it. And so I, I just want you to know that that scene, like that Mm -hmm. is seen in this book, it's out in the world and we get to see you now. And then yeah. probably Me maybe a and lot of other people millions of other Bosnian exactly. kids. Yes. And our story, yeah. honestly, has never been spoken about um, because we're just, just, just a small country in Eastern Europe, you know, and we fight over there all the time anyway. It's always war. So why care? You yeah. know? And we care yeah. because we're going to stop and, and, the way we stop this is again full circle to the initial yes. conversation we had. Parent-child relationships. Yes. I mean, safety. Yes. Wars break out because we don't feel safe. Yes. Wars break out because we are paranoid, and we have leaders who are paranoid. Um, yeah. And I honestly think that we could avoid a lot of that with focusing more on how we're raising our babies and how we are allowing ourselves to think about things. Um, Many people will say, you know, oh, let the past stay in the past. You can't mm-hmm. think or talk about it. And avoidance protection, right? We're protecting yeah. ourselves. Yeah. But this is what we're up against. If we yeah. constantly avoid, we're constantly repeating the same right. over and over again. So yeah. it just well, you have no idea how much it means to me that you have this book in your home. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about to all my <laughs> former colleagues, like, Guess what? Robin Gobble has my <laughs> book in her house. <laughs> that is very sweet. And I was just a regular old person and it's amazing. I'm so thrilled to tell people about now, it. You and- are a rock star in the <laughs> attachment and trauma world. I don't know, like oh. seriously, a rock star in it. And I'm just very, very honored to know you a little bit better now too. And, well, and again, it means a lot. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm glad it feels that way. And I'm glad, you know, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of, prof- especially professionals are listening and, you know, people who work with kids and need to increase their libraries and have kids like your kids who are the children of refugees. And mm-hmm. also, you know, the timeliness of writing a book about being a refugee and like, the very, I mean, the war in Ukraine had just started when your book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. came out. I just can't even mm-hmm. imagine even the feelings around that. The images from Ukraine are yeah. images of Bosnia. I yes. was uh, honored to be on ABC, um, right? Like, in, I want to say in April. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a whole experience that put me out of my comfort I zone, let me tell even, you. 
imagine. I I had no idea it was going to be national news. (laughs) I had no idea until 10 minutes prior to it airing. Um, because I thought it was going to be like a local ABC local. channel. And I was like, okay, I can do this. It's still millions of people, but I can do this. And when, when they told me who the anchor was going to be, I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> wait what? what? Oh my gosh. I, I cannot tell you. My heart was pounding out of my chest the whole I entire did. time I was speaking. So it was incredible to be able to speak to them, um, about the importance of, children's mental health when they're refugees because we are a bridge generation for um so when people escape wars the primary concern is trauma right but what we don't talk about is this complex grief that's going to prevent us from treating trauma because of what life could have been had this not right. happened. Refugees right. do not choose to leave. Right. They don't choose to leave. They're forced out, especially war refugees. So when ABC was airing a lot of this stuff, like I would see visuals from Ukraine and Bosnia mm. compared with one another. And I was like, I'm already nervous, guys. Are you going gonna to make me choke up over this? Um, but the images are incredibly similar and emotionally very triggering for many of us in Eastern Europe who have gone through wars in the 90s. Um, Our hope is that it will never, ever repeat again. And if I have it in my power (laughs) to do something about that, it is to educate more of us about the importance of connection in the parent-child relationship, because it's the best form of activism we have. I agree. Even just before you and I hopped on today, I was messaging with a colleague about other devastating national news Mm -hmm. and just talking about how there's, there's moments where it's like, how, how do we keep going? Like, how do we, how do we keep going? And then it's like, and we, we have to, because I mean, we don't have to, I have great respect for the people who decide that they, they cannot do it. And I think knowing just like you said, like, like the work that we do, it matters. Like mm-hmm. it, it matters. And I don't know the, it, how much it matters in our lifetime, but I just am so committed to the belief that like, it matters for our kids and it matters for grandkids. And this is how the world changes. And this is what we can do. And this is what I can do. And this is what, what you can do. And it, it really matters. It's the small changes. It's the small impacts. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like every day there's just devastating news lately, but um, when oppression hits hard, it hits hard. And um, there's just, I'm still processing and still navigating what I should think, but feeling angry in this brave space is also okay. And Uh, figuring it out from there. Yeah. 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 I love that. Feeling angry in this brave space is okay. And we're just going to figure it out. Very much. Yeah. What has just been the highlight of my week to get to talk with you? Kind of, it's a good, nice way to end the week. (laughs) And also in the middle, you know, we talked about like, I'm in the middle of like my final crunch of like, I have to get this book written. (laughs) And so to just take a break from that and in connection with you and catch up with you and just share in your excitement and the awesome, brave work you're doing. 
in the Thank world. Thank you, Robin. Yeah. That means the world to me. It really, really does. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I will make sure that I put links in the show notes to where folks can buy your book. Is is Amazon the best place or is there a Amazon different... right now is okay. the best place to purchase. Um, okay. Barnes and Noble maybe as well. Uh, they're still showing out of stock there. It seems like Amazon is the fastest in terms okay. of their like communication with the publisher. Um, so hopefully we'll not be showing out of stock very soon. Okay. Well, I will put that in the show notes. I'm going to link up to your interview because I remember watching that. Um, and that was awesome. What else? And of course your Instagram account, I see, um, just putting so much, you know, even for people who aren't going to necessarily relate to being a Balkan mom. I mean, it is Mm -hmm. just, just, just the way you show up on Instagram is this Mm -hmm. embodiment of secure attachment. And so everybody go follow some on Instagram. What else, what else do you want to share with people about where they can find more about you? I think that's a great place to start. I really appreciate that. And I cannot wait to get your book. I really like, cannot (laughs) wait. It's going to be a while, but I'll make sure you get it. (laughs) Still, (laughs) still super excited. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you. So a day or so after I met with Selma, I think it was the very next day, actually, my husband walked into my office crying, which isn't completely unusual for him, but still I was surprised. So I can look at him like, what's going on? And it turns out that he had just picked Selma's book up off the kitchen table and read it. Selma's whole self is in the pages of that short little children's book. There's a link to her book in the show notes. So go check it out. Thank you. Thank you for being someone who has shown up to witness and hear and hold Selma's story. Trauma, vulnerability, and brave spaces need to be seen and known. And today we all got to do that for Selma. If you haven't recently been to my website, I want you to head over there, go check out all the resources that I have for you. RobinGobel.com slash free resources will bring you to the three different eBooks that I have that are free. I have two video series that are free. RobinGobel.com slash podcast is where you can go and search for whatever you're struggling with, the behavior that you're struggling with or something that you need as a parent, right? You can go, you can go search for lying. You can go search for self-compassion, go search for what you need over at RobinGobel.com slash podcast and you'll see the podcast episodes that I already have that are about that topic. If you have a topic that you don't see, head to my social media. I have at least two social media posts a week about the podcast and let me know like what would you what would you like to hear? At, on Facebook, I'm at Robin Goble MSW. And on Instagram, I'm Robin.Gobel. All right, y'all. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for all the amazingness that you're doing out in the world to care for kids and families. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids but also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? 
All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash beingwith, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you could get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you could just head to my website download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.